The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you, first and foremost, for being an intentional spirit. You know, there's a big difference between a person that has intentions, the best of intentions only, and yet uh, the difference with someone who is intentional, uh, someone who fulfills those intentions and shows up in life and honors their own process. And that's certainly the type of guest that we have today, uh, a doctor who has experienced a near-death experience, who has so much to share with us as he is the author of the new best-selling book, Dying to Wake Up. Uh, welcome, Dr. Party, to our show today, Dr. Rajiv Party. We're so glad that you're with us. Oh, it's my honor and pleasure to be here. Well, let's share with our, our listening audience. We have people listening all over the world. Let's, let's share with them who you were before you had your own awakening, kind of walk us through through your life. Have you always been a mystical, spiritual person when you were no, growing up and anything? Uh, give us some stories about your life prior to um, the main event that you had, which then catapulted you to a whole different place. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, I was born and raised in India, the New, the New Delhi, the capital of India. Uh-huh. My father was an air traffic controller, and my mother was an English teacher. And I was the only son, and I was very close. I have two younger sisters, and I was very close to my mother. We even had the same birthday. Oh. But, but my father was a very strict disciplinarian. You know, he used to believe spoil, uh, spare the roar and spoil the child. Mm-hmm. And I got my share of physical and verbal abuse. And he was a product of partition of India when India and Pakistan came into being. And there was genocide on both sides. So in modern terms, I feel he suffered from PTSD. You know, he came to India hiding among dead bodies. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. 
And when I was in my 10th grade, I got into bad company and I was smoking, drinking, not going to school. So I got caught and I flunked my 10th grade. And then my father beat me up so much that I could not go to school for two weeks. You know, hit me with a baseball cricket, cricket bat, actually. And then something changed in him. And he started waking me up at 4 o'clock and make me study. And then I became the best student in class. And I was very hard to get into medical school in India, and I got into three medical schools. And then in my, when I was 18, 19, I was, that's for my first year of medical school. I was dissecting uh, uh, human bodies, and I was starting to ask these questions, who am I? Who is this guy? He was somebody's son, father a few days back. And that time I read a lot of spiritual books, you know, Hindu, Christian, Muslim even. I went to Himalayas to become a monk, but the head of the monastery sent me back. So accepting for those two, one and a half uh, year or so that I had the spiritual bug, I was not a religious or a spiritual per- person. I did celebrate my Indian festivals, but it was more for festivities than for religious reasons. You know, like uh, we celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving also, you know, since we are in the U.S. Yes. And then I finished my medical school, but when I went into medical school, I wanted to go to the remote areas of India and serve the poor, to be their doctor, to help them take care of them. Because my mother used to tell me a story of one doctor, Dr. Little, or what his name was, who went to Africa, and he was pretty famous, and he dedicated his life to serving the poor in Africa. I forgot his name. Was it David Livingston? No. Yeah. Yeah, David yeah. Livingston. Okay. Yeah. And uh, That story really stuck in your mind, huh? You, you yeah. kind of resonated with it. Yeah. But then I came to America in 1982, almost 34 years ago. Yeah, in October it will be 34 years, yeah. And I'm an American citizen. And uh, then the spiritual Raj, who wanted to serve the poor, was left behind in India. Success, getting ahead at any cost, being... uh, Financially wealthy became very important to me. So originally I came to New York, and while I gave my exams to do residency here, I did odd jobs, you know, taxi driving and all those things. I did a residency in pediatrics first, but then I found out pediatrics make the lowest amount of money among doctors. So I went back and did another residency in anesthesiology, and that is one of the highest pink specialties. And so I moved to California because my sister was there in Fresno, and I went to Bakersfield, uh, which is about 110 miles north of Los Angeles in the Central Valley. I went for a two-week temporary job. We call it locum, but they offered me a job now I'm there 28 years, and gradually I became chief of anesthesia. And every few years, I was building a new house and moving to a bigger house and getting fancier and fancier cars. 
because you know there is uh, competition among me and my friends. You know who has a bigger house, who has more fancy car. Okay. Like you know, keeping up with the Jones, as they say in America. But I went for not just American dream, but it became a runaway American dream. So before my experience. I was living in about ten, eleven thousand square foot house with a golf course, lake. It was beautiful. I had a home theater. We used iPhones at home to talk to the kids. It was that huge. And I had a sports BMW and a Hummer. I didn't care how much it gas costed because I could afford it. But I was leading a very stressful life. And to manage stress, I would drink. The days I was not on call, I would be take a scotch, and one drink would become two drinks and three drinks, and I was also trading stocks, especially in the year ninety nine two thousand when there was an internet bubble. I don't know whether you remember or not, and almost everybody was day trading stocks. So I left medicine to do day trading stocks. I made millions, lost millions, borrowed from my family, and lost that also, and then then went back to being a doctor. That's my story before my near-death experience. In short, wow! And and mine That's was quite a story, Doctor Farge. It's quite a yeah. story. Mm-hmm. And mine was a semi-arranged marriage in the sense I call semi-arranged because uh, my parents had. Chosen few uh, girls for me to introduce me to few girls, and my wife was number fifth, and I liked her, and she liked me. So we said yes. We got uh, saw each other for the first time on 29th January. Got engaged on 31st January. Got married on 12th February. <laughs> That's what we call a very quick arrangement. Yes. <laughs> And it doesn't end there. And my mother says, I want to be grandmother soon. I said, Mom, don't worry. I'm working very hard. And we had a baby boy nine months, ten days later. Oh, my gosh. As if she was giving me an assignment to do. Oh, wow. Like a, like it's a, something on the conveyor belt. You know, we do this. Yeah. Uh, check, check it off the list. Are you still with the same wife that you were with? Yeah, 30 years. Oh, my. Well, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In today's standards, that's very impressive, actually. Yeah. You know, like we have had our shares of up and down, you know. Of course. But after my near-death experience, the relationship became more spiritual and more at the deeper level. Mm. Oh, Yeah. So when did you have your near-death experience? Because you have so much to offer. I mean, I was watching some of your videos online, which I would urge other people to go to, drrajeevparty.com. You can also go to unity.fm for programs and look at our program, and the link will be there as well. But Dr. Rajiv, R-A-J-I-V, P-A-R-T-I dot com. And or they can or actually can go Google to dying to wake up dot com. Yeah, dying to That's easier. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, th- what what happened? 
Uh, did you have a so you know like I was leading this uh, very stressful but outside mm-hmm. very successful life. Yes. And uh, August of two thousand eight, there's a test uh, screening test which all males above fifty need to get done PSA prostate specific antigen. You know, mm-hmm. so. My PSA was high, so I got a call that I had early stages of prostate cancer. And so I went from California to Florida because I wanted to get it done through small holes and through, uh, what do you call it, robotically. And the surgery went fine. That was August of 2008. I was cured of cancer, but it did leave me with complications. One of the biggest complications was incontinence. I had to wear diapers. Second thing was where the surgery was done, it would scar up again and again, and I would not be able to go to the bathroom, so they had to do repeat surgeries to cut the scar. So I had seven surgeries. And all this led to chronic pelvic pain, and for pelvic pain, they put me on pain medications, which I used to prescribe to patients. Then I got dependent on those medications, and that led to depression. So then about two and a half years later, since the incontinence was not improving, and I consulted a doctor at UCLA, University of California in Los Angeles, professor, and he said it's not going to improve anymore. If it had to improve, it would have improved by now. So he advised another surgery to implant a device, a button, which is called artificial urethral sphincter. And so I went ahead with that surgery in the early part of December 2010. And then few days later after that surgery, I started dwelling redness, swelling, fever. It was like post-operative infection. First, uh, it was not that bad, so they tried oral antibiotics. That didn't work. Then they put me on heavy-duty IV antibiotics, gentamicin, vancomycin. That didn't work. So I was getting sicker and sicker. Finally, the doctor told me to come to UCLA, which is about 110 miles drive. I still remember the drive around 8 o'clock in the evening. My wife drove me to L.A. Looking back, we should have gone with medical transport, but that time I was shivering like a leaf with 105 fever, wondering if this is my last night, and my wife was crying, what would happen if the car broke down in the mountains? You know, We call it Grapevine. I don't know where you are, but the area between Bakersfield and Los Angeles is mountainous, and it's uh, Grapevine. Yes. So, and... That's uh, when they did an emergency surgery to take the device out because it had become source of infection. And once it becomes a source of infection, after all, it is a foreign body. If it's not removed, then the infection goes in the blood. It's called sepsis. Sepsis becomes septic shock. And even with modern medicines, there is 70% mortality with septic shock. So they caught it just before it. 
So many things on your journey. That's with your physical self, huh? Just a lot of... Physical self, emotional self, financial mm-hmm. self. Yes. You know, the real, like, uh, the real breaking I, 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 down, you know, that's, yeah. uh, there's a term we say that one's life is falling apart, so it comes together in a new way, and it sounds like you were right on track with that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you just kept going, you know, the tenacity and the determination, that uh, I applaud you on that. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I said to my friends, you know, I- uh, as a Hindu, we believe in uh, in future lives and uh, multiple lives. I said, but I have led those multiple lives in this life itself. Yeah, you're doing it all one round. Uh huh. I can. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can totally hear that. So, did you have a, a heart attack, or what happened that brought so, you into uh, the, the surgery room? So it was for that uh, to take the. The deep infection which was getting into blood. Mm. So it was about 20 minutes. I had seen the clock when they had wheeled me in. Yes. And then 20 minutes into surgery, I saw myself floating. And I could see the surgery near the ceiling. And I could hear the conversations and even smell. And I very well remembered a joke told by an anesthesiologist. And... uh, he verified it later that he did tell the joke. You actually he heard was, the words of the joke, huh? You were that yeah. aware. Yeah, all the senses were there. And smell was there. Yeah, and then I went to different realms, and that's where everything changed. My first reaction was, maybe there is a, mix-up of anesthesia drugs because there is a drug we call ketamine, which is a veterinary anesthetic, but we use it in adu- uh, not rarely in adults. I don't think in my 28 years as an anesthesiologist I used it in adults, but then we use it commonly in ch- children for their bro- burn dressing changes, you know, because mm-hmm. they need you know dressing change every day or every other day. So that's what it's commonly used for. And I checked the medical records. It wasn't used. And from there, I went to a realm where it was very dark. There was lightning, thunderstorm. I could hear cries and a lot of wailing. And I was, you know, being pushed and pulled at the same time. I was wondering, you know, especially growing, you know, being a grown up in a Hindu family and that karma thing, what have I done wrong that I am here? And I was asking for help. And I was given the understanding so far my life was all about me. I was selfish. I was not, I didn't mind stepping on people's toes to get ahead. With the patients, I didn't have that heart-to-heart connection. You know, technically I was good, so that's why I was a chief. But uh, in my pain practice, like one lady came to get a prescription for her arthritis. I just wrote the prescription and walked away. She wanted to talk to me, but time is money. so So I went ahead and saw the next patient. And... Uh, 
that was my nature and amazingly the person who came to my rescue was my father who had died about 20 years ago in Fresno California after complications from my bypass surgery and that's when my relationship with him started healing i realized he after all loved me Mm. He did care for me. And the biggest thing of that meeting my father was that my I was starting to copy my father not physical abuse but verbal abuse towards my children especially my eldest son. Like I forced him to go to medical school he didn't want to and after 5 6 years he dropped out I was mad. you know uh, years lost few hundred thousand dollars lost but after my near death experience i was okay and he wanted to go into computers and now he's doing computers in university of california san francisco and he is very happy and i'm very happy you know he's getting to do what he wants the main thing is he's happy right you know and i was forcing him to become a doctor so that changed and then my father led me towards a light, uh, to a tunnel and in that tunnel i had a review of my present life and the review of this present life in the sense it was you know 360 or third person review in the sense i could feel what the other person was feeling with my actions good or bad mm. so you were looking like a if you will you were looking like at a at a video like you were viewing yeah, certain relationships in your life like this movie and then you yeah. could witness how your actions were impacting and 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 yeah i could exactly them. feel what the other person was feeling yeah wow and it was not always bad you know i have done some of good of course yeah of course uh-huh and then i witnessed two of my past lives uh, you know in one of the past life i was uh, a cruel prince in medieval times and i was whipping the poor farmers i can still see them in front of me wearing brown tattered clothes and i had soldiers with me who were whipping this farmers too and i asked for forgiveness from them and they forgave me and incidentally in this present life i had three right wrist surgeries because i had torn a ligament and it was very painful that i did not go to work for a few months and after they forgave me the pain never came back that was really healing for my wrist and uh, i was talking to dr moody how can you go back in time and ask forgiveness and the conclusion was after all time is a human construct and it can go backwards it can be linear it doesn't have to be linear it can curve and the other realms past present and future almost exist at the same time 
And the second past life I remember was being a poppy farmer in Afghanistan. And I started licking the sap from the plants to see if it is mature enough. And I gradually got addicted to opium and that actually led to my death. And that manifested in the present life as a dependence on pain medication. And then uh, from the other side of the tunnel, I was greeted by two young, robust men, you know, angels. Who t I knew about angels, though I was born in a Hindu family, you know, but I did not know the specifics of names of angels. And uh, they were... My archangels, Michael and Raphael. Mm, and later they're I, my strongest too, Michael and really? Raphael. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Raphael especially is the angel for healers, for doctors, for patients who want healing. Yeah. Absolutely. It made total sense to me and Michael for strength. And but right now, my favorite angel is Angel Gabriel. Oh, yeah. That's another strong one as well. Yeah, you know, especially for communication. What I'm doing with the talking to you or my book or my story being picked up by Time magazine and being invited to New York TV shows, I honestly have a lot of gratitude to Angel Gabriel. You know, he or she, some people say she, seems to be helping me a lot. I don't pray to angels, but uh, I do ask for their help. You know, I think the prayer is for God or divine, whichever way you want to define it. And then the angels imparted me with knowledge and guided me towards a being of light. It was a beautiful meadows, and the light was like thousand suns at the same time. And it was not hurting the eyes. And the best feeling I can describe in earthly terms, I felt total love, unconditional love, and supreme cosmic peace, you know, deeply rooted peace, which uh, in Sanskrit we say shanti, you know. And that was the feeling, you know, shanti and peace, love. I was part of the light. At the same time, I was separate from the light. And the understanding I was given was that my life will be spared, but it will be totally different life. And then I woke up with a jolt in the recovery room. That's a beautiful story. A beautiful story. Did you did you find immediately when you were in this dimension? Did you feel immediately different? Yeah. So the person who went to sleep and the person who woke up, who are two different people. And the first person I met was the nurse who was hooking me up to the monitors, and I. 
told her what uh, happened and she was very receptive and uh, because she had said she had heard these things before and uh, when the anesthesiologist came i told him that did you tell such and such joke and he said yeah i did tell but he said maybe you were light in anesthesia you know because hearing is the last sensation to go and the first sensation to come back when we give general anesthesia but the question was i was not in pain if i was light in anesthesia i should be hurting and uh, when he behaved this way it reminded me of a similar case i had few years back where the patient was having a special procedure where we were going to repair his aorta the main artery which comes off the heart from the left side and uh, normally we put the patient on bypass pump and there's blood going through the brain but there was no place to put a clamp to put this patient on bypass pump so we literally froze the patient made him so cold that every metabolism shut down and the head was packed in ice uh maximum you can do it is for 45 to 60 minutes and then we warmed him up after the surgery and next day he woke up and he was describing me the operating room what conversations was there and where all he went and my attitude was Oh sure you had no blood going to your brain for 45 minutes so maybe there was some neurological damage and he uh, were having post surgical psychosis so i gave him a antipsychotic medicine held all shot and told him i'll come back tomorrow and i never came back so it was a kind of karma coming back <laughs> you know It's such a fascinating journey, um, and it, it's so intriguing for so many of us that are, you know, in, engaged in the conversation of near-death experiences, and it just confirms and reaffirms uh, what so many of us practice of many lifetimes and many dimensions and such a thin veil between yeah. here and there and there and here uh we're having the good pleasure today of talking to Dr. Party he is the author of the book dying uh, to wake up it's a doctor's journey in which he shares the wisdom and his experience in the near death uh moment of his life that uh, totally changed him and the work he does in the world you can go to his website dyingtowakeup.com want to thank all of you for your ongoing participation and for sharing with your friends and social media about unity online radio because of you we continue to branch out to many other countries across the world and also i know i love hearing from so many of you on social media about how much you enjoy certain certain shows and the value that they're bringing to your everyday life thank you for being intentional we'll be right back after this short message Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. 
Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. In his new book, What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug?, Daryl Fuzaro emphasizes the positive effects of applying unity principles in everyday situations. Laura Harvey, editor of Daily Word magazine, exclaims Daryl Fuzaro shares his life lessons with inspiring creativity. This book is encouraging, funny, and heartwarming, a combination I highly recommend. As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug? Is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What if Godzilla just wanted a hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut, act on their intuition, and step out boldly. Even if you just bought it for the chapter titles and Daryl Fuzaro's illustrations alone, you'd be getting more than your money's worth with this book. Author and film critic Sister Rose Bucati says, Spending time with Fuzaro's stories will leave you no choice but to smile and carry on. Oh, he forgot to mention he hangs out with a group of nuns, but then, if he had, it would have necessitated a change to some of his more colorful adjectives. Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being with us. We are having the good pleasure of listening to Dr. Rajiv Party. He is a best-selling author of the book, Dying uh, to Wake Up. It's telling his story as a doctor and having a near-death experience of how it was a great wake-up call for him, so much so that it has catapulted and transformed his life that he 
has dedicated the rest of his life to encouraging people to wake up. He has an organization called Wake Up Now, like this minute. And as he says very clearly, we don't all have to have a near-death experience uh, to wake up. Uh, Dr. Party, the one thing that I've been saying for many years in a couple of my books is um, I say that, you know, there are people that we're fascinated with, you know, they have near-death experiences, but many of us ought to be excited about the near-life experiences. In other words, when we wake up, well, some of the greater experiences we could have from a position of being awake and alert and being present and really living the life that that we want to live. So, um, exactly, thank you for- yeah, thank you for the work you're doing. It's um, it, it's beautiful, and and just the title of the book, um, you know, brings people to a different awareness, and that that's really awesome. You know, I just remember in a few weeks back, I was in Montreal giving a speech, in Canada, and they asked me, somebody uh, asked me, you know, in a panel discussion, uh, how should I prepare for my death. And I said, you prepare for your death by living this life fully in service to others. You know, that you have to live this life fully, that's the best way to prepare for death. And that to serving others. Powerful. So basically, I said there are three things, you know, we can transform now a practice of Meditation, prayer, and I call seva, which is Sanskrit for service with gratitude. What was the the call within you that it felt um, that it was so important for you to write a book? Had you ever thought about writing a book before? No. You know, not, uh, I had written one book before on... uh, General book on spirituality, but that that too was after my near death experience. But before near death experience, I never thought of being a author or a speaker of what I'm doing right now. I was just thinking I'll retire as an anesthesiologist. You know, maybe when I'm in seventies, not do night calls, but just do easy cases like cataracts in a surgery center. And work maybe two three days a week. That's what what I was envisioning in my life. Mm-hmm. And here I am talking about spiritual wellness, about God, spirit, past lives, and you know trauma from the past lives. Because trauma can come from you know four places. It can come from the past life. It can come from the womb or early childhood. Or it can come from adult air trauma, and one another. The fourth one is family constellations, where your grandfather suffered trauma, example Holocaust, and though you may not have met him, but you are showing the same symptoms. There's a lot of amazing work being done. Yeah. And as I said, in my case, my pain in the wrist uh, came from me being cruel to the farmers. Mm. 
Malaga. I know people who made a lot of money but didn't keep any money, and they went for past life regression. And it was found out that they had taken a vow of being a monk of poverty. So that's why he would make a lot of money and give it away, lose it. So that's why I came up with what I call seven eternal truths, which I call near-death experience manifesto, like the first being that from my consciousness can exist outside the body, then meeting my father, that there is life after death, and then uh, experiencing my past lives that we have past and future lives, then meeting the angels that there are divine beings in different dimensions like angels ascended masters and our personal guides who are there to help us and that there are different levels of consciousness. Some people talk about like awake, sleeping and dreaming and then comes transcendental, then cosmic, divine and universal and highest universal where it is just pure consciousness. And the other truth is that we are all connected to each other because we made of the same thing. And the underlying reality is pure consciousness, is pure love. These were the seven truths on which I'm based my life on. And through the experience of people that have read the book or that are coming to your programs now, um, would you be willing to share some of the aha moments they're having? I I know there's many. Um, Could you give us some examples of of what people are are discovering? You know, like one of the aha moments people are discovering, because I'm very big on forgiveness. Mm. Uh, When I do the workshop, I take the audience or clients through a forgiveness exercise and because forgiveness is not condoning the action and it is for our sake not for the person who caused us harm it is uh, getting away from the harm but uh, that person may be in Hawaii having a good time and here I may be sitting in dark room and crying So basically, forgiveness is a process and it has to be sometimes repeated many times. And one may not be ready to forgive. You know, it depends upon how traumatic it was. Like, uh, other thing is, like, I had to forgive my father. I even wrote a letter in the book of forgiving God, quote-unquote God, because I was very mad at God. Why did I get cancer and all those complications? And the hardest forgiveness is forgiving your own self. So actually, I have a ritual now at night time when I close my eyes. I ask for forgiveness from people who I hurt today, and I forgive people who hurt me. And the third is to ask forgiveness from myself to 
or hurting myself if there was any. Mm. So I, I, before you go to sleep, it's I forgive myself for ways which I may have hurt others. I forgive yeah. others who may have hurt me in or a perception in any way, and I forgive myself for hurting myself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's very powerful, you know, and as even though we, when you say it, you may be feeling very artificial saying it, but gradually, like water on the stone, it starts making a mark. Your consciousness shifts. And the second thing of my message is, actually the whole thing is forgive, love, heal. I say forgive easily, love passionately, and heal quickly. And love I'm talking about is the Sanskrit word seva, which is service, you know, like it's not just... uh, enough to go on a weekend for two hours in a soup kitchen for homeless people. and That is important. But I'm talking about the mind shift, the attitude one has towards other people. After all, you know, even the modern science of positive psychology or the science of happiness is proving what really counts for happiness is your connections how you relate to your near, dear ones after your basic material needs are met. And I, in my experience as an anesthesiologist, saw that because patients who had Mexican heritage, they would have three generational, 20 people visiting the grandpa. And those patients did go home and healed faster than somebody who was not visited at all. That was amazing, you know, and modern science is proving that this has nothing to do with, you know, spirituality. And uh, similarly, modern science is proving that people who have a definite purpose in life or being connected to something higher than themselves, for me it is God, uh, you know, and being a healer. But for some people who don't believe in God, it could be, just being connected to preventing uh, abuse of earth or child or women or child pornography, something like that. Being connected to something higher. How would you say that this experience has changed you the most? You know, my connection to fellow human beings and relationship with God. Like I was almost always, you know, kind of when I didn't do any spiritual practices, like now I do meditation twice a day regularly. I, uh, I'm guided by angels because I'm open red portal. But before... That even when I prayed, if which was rare, I was always bargaining with God. Okay, God, if I make a million dollars in this talk, I'll give you 10%. Right, right. 
like especially coming from India, you know, that's a 10% rule. So I'm trying to bribe God. As right, God right. <laughs> yes, I hear you. <laughs> you know, like I became more accepting God's will. Like I had made a big vision board uh, after watching the movie Secret. Mm-hmm. You know, house in Malibu Beach and a Ferrari and all those things. But it was made of cardboard, and one time I was going to Santa Barbara. There I literally folded hands and floated that cardboard board in the ocean. That, God, I really don't know what is good or bad for me. Whatever happens in my life. Something like serenity prayer. You know, mm-hmm. if you Google serenity prayer, give me the strength to accept things I can't change and the strength to change the things I can change and the wisdom to know the difference between the two became my one of the guiding prayers. Well, so it's, it's, it's... Like my cars even changed, you know, like from my sports BMW and Hummer, now I drive a Toyota Camry, a hybrid, so I kid around with my friends. In my life, literally and figuratively, went from Hummer to hybrid. <laughs> from Hummer to hybrid, <laughs> you're much more conscious yeah. of everything around you. It's um, it's so beautiful that you have urged people to be to be dying to wake up. I want to remind everyone to go to the website dyingtowakeup.com. And get to know more about Dr. Rajiv Parti and his work. And definitely uh, be one of many that has purchased the book, Dying to Wake Up, with the tools that it offers and the process um, that he lays out for you, both in daily life and with uh, unique practices such as your angels and your guides. As you continue to enjoy these radio messages, may I also remind you to please join us on firstunity.org or templetohaze.com for various videos and teachings that we do similar in nature of waking up and living your best life, moving from good to amazing right here and right now. Dr. Party, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure to have you. I, I hold for you. <laughs> You're well on your way and the way of success but I hold for you much more success to come and I know that I'm truly glad and humbled to have met you on this journey from your Hummer to your hybrid and from your um, now the way that you see the world. Thank you for waking up and may we meet again. Many, many blessings to you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org.
You have a coach in your corner, a life coach that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Have you ever noticed that when you cheat or lie or don't support a friend and then realize what you've done, an inner alarm goes off? It's a kind of moral wake-up call. You know you've done wrong and you don't feel good about it or about yourself. By experiencing the emotions and accepting the consequences of what we've done, we can begin to accept and change ourselves. When you know you've done wrong, admit the truth, even if it's only to yourself and one other person, perhaps a counselor or minister. Then, if there's a way to make amends, to set the situation right, do so and clear the air. Finally, renew your commitment to live in your own integrity. When you do, you'll benefit with good health, 
good relationships, and self-esteem. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? 
We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 